0: If you are a product or a destination, it doesn't matter. Invest time to experience the product. My experience is that the minute I have been in a place, I have my own experience and it's so much easier to share that experience and really sell that experience if you have experienced it yourself.
1: Okay, everybody, we've been talking about recovery for a while now, and my team at Relic has been working on recovery campaigns for several destinations over the last couple of months. They've actually developed a pretty amazing, we'll call it an algorithm, to know when it's safe to do acquisition marketing in a market. And so what I mean by that is you've got government regulations, you've got, uh, you know, how is the virus affecting that market, whether there's been a decrease in cases or a decrease in deaths in that market when is it safe to advertise hey come to our destination uh, like i said our team has come up with this algorithm to provide that information for you and we're offering a free market report we're calling it recovery triggers and if you'd like a free recovery trigger report for your target market where you want to draw visitors from please email me directly at adam at Or you can go to recoverytriggers.relicagency.com and we'll get you set up with a free report and we even have the ability to send you a weekly recurring report so you can see what's happening in that market on a weekly basis and make sure you're launching your acquisition campaign at the perfect time. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Destination Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Stoker. Excited to be with you today. We've got another great guest for you. I feel like I say that every time, but we just keep getting such wonderful people to to join us on the show. And my guest today actually reached out to me through my website, and she had a question about a previous episode. And then as we got to talking and, and I learned more about her, I thought, man, she would be a wonderful guest on the show. Her name is Josephina McDonald and Josefina, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. I was so stoked.
1: <laughs> well, we, we are stoked to have you as well. And uh, I, I want to get into, you know, how you found the, the show and, and kind of some of the things that you and I have been talking about. But as you know, as an avid listener, we always ask at the very beginning, we want to know if you could go anywhere in the world, assuming COVID isn't an issue, uh, where would you go?
0: Well, at the moment, it's maybe a little bit of an unexpected uh, answer, but I would go to the Netherlands. Um, I was booked in to go to the Netherlands to see my parents who live there um, for the Easter break with my 17-year-old daughter. And um, I had uh, a prediction, so I cancelled mid-February, I had no, I, no interest to uh, get stuck in Dubai or something like that on the way home, not being able to get back home. Right. So um, the result is that I haven't seen my parents for a year and a half. And, yeah, so it's not so much the destination itself as well as the um, beautiful people who live there who would like to see. But in saying that, um, the other thing I would – Really love to do in the Netherlands one day. I know, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but the Netherlands is one of the only countries in the world that's totally flat. There's not a mountain inside. And No, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there you go. And it's um, an amazing uh, bike path in the Netherlands, a very safe bike path if you know how to ride a bike. Otherwise, it's not safe. Um, but in the Netherlands, you have first right, So you always have right before any cars. So it's really amazing place to ride bike and they have these tours that you can do a windmill um, tour through holland or you can do a restaurant tour to holland or whatever interest you might have they've come up with a bike tour and um, because things are flat it's so easy to to travel by bike and you see so much on your bike i have this dream to go from the south to the north of holland i think it's only 250 kilometers at them so it's not a very very big country but um, just to soak up the natural beauty of uh, of the Netherlands, maybe, you know, alongside my parents, it would be an amazing trip.
1: Oh, that sounds amazing. And, you know, we, we kind of, we're, we're going to talk about your background and everything, but it's good for everybody to know early on that you are from the Netherlands. And we'll talk about how you ended up in Australia. Uh, but before we do that, I would really love to hear... How about your favorite place you've ever actually visited? You know, your dream destination is to go to the Netherlands and ride your bike across the country, and it sounds wonderful. Tell me about a trip you've been on that you have just loved.
0: So I was finished my uni at 21, and uh, I was going to start a new course, and I decided to go to a kibbutz in Israel for nine weeks in the summer holiday. So that was July, August. and um. I ended up um, in Jordan uh, on a holiday while I was at the Kibbutz, and it has everlasting memories. I got nearly sold in the middle of the desert for 50 camels. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad my then boyfriend didn't take that offer on. And <laughs> <laughs> the food, the authentic food was so amazing. Um, I have such fond memories, and I think it was only a week or so, uh, but wow, if I could ever relive that time, that was uh, absolutely amazing.
1: Okay, I know that we're talking about travel, we're talking about uh, your trip to Jordan, but I need to understand something. So as far as trading goes, 50 camels... Is that a lot of camels, or is that for for uh, for a person is that a low number of camels? I'm curious how many camels <laughs> is it was fifty camels a good offer that's what i want to know
0: apparently apparently it was
1: <laughs> Appar-
0: <laughs> I don't know what the German boyfriend would have done with the fifty camels, but um, <laughs> it was a good try.
1: Well, we're we're glad, too, that he didn't take the offer. Uh, It's funny that you bring up Jordan, though, because we we had another episode just recently. Uh, In fact, uh, we've already recorded it, but we haven't released it. And in that episode, um, Alex Sousa, here from Relic, talks about Jordan and how amazing of a place it is. And, you know, to have two people in a row talk about it, it must be an amazing country.
0: Yeah, it really is. It is... uh... It has culture, it has the unexpected, and it has um, a lot of religion. It's a real sensational place. It's uh, something you kind of have to experience, but doesn't always allow you to experience it because it can be also a little bit of a dangerous place to go to. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend for any lady on her own to go to Jordan. Let's just say that way.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay, so... So we're gonna we're gonna use the buddy system when we go to Jordan. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> good idea.
1: <laughs> okay, well let's let's talk about you, Josephina. Tell us a little bit about you, and and I guess first of all, let's start with what you do and and where you do it, uh, and then we'll dive into your background.
0: Yeah, great. So um, I am a business owner together with my husband, who is Australian, um, of Halls Gap Lakeside Tourist Park, which is. You could call it a caravan park, but we call it a tourist park. Um, we offer glamping and cabins, and uh, you know, powered and unpowered sites for people to pull their caravans on or roll their swags out. We don't mind what they bring. Uh, we are ten acres in the middle of uh, the Grampians, which is a little town called Halls Gap. We have only got four hundred and twenty locals, and we have a bakery and a news agency and a few cafes, lovely restaurants, but it's uh, a miniature. A miniature town. And then uh, in December last year, uh, we bought a new property which is called Grampian's Getaway and it has six pyramids on it which are like Kevin's style, pyramid-looking apartments. And um, they set in a beautiful 60-acre setting with an enormous lake which is a one-kilometre walking track. And um, I was actually going to develop that in a wellness retreat um, but because of COVID-19, I had to put all my resources back into my my core business, which is Holes Gap Legs And I've stepped back into that uh, space and I will uh, let the other space evolve as we go on, but not put any more pressure on myself to get that running.
1: Got it. And and we all had to make crazy adjustments when, when COVID hit. And, and it's good to hear that your core business it is still going strong and and let's talk a little bit about uh, hall's gap it's right next to a national park is that right
0: absolutely so uh we are in the the heart of the grampians national park so hall's gap on the map would look like a heart in the middle of a national park and um it is the place oh, so to-
1: you're in the national
0: park we are in the national park Got it. yes Yes, and um, you would see us as a valley floor and then around us are the mountain ranges, which you would call the National Park. So uh, a short drive away, are amazing waterfalls and lookouts and pinnacle walks and uh, we have even called the Grand Canyon here. It's a very miniature Grand Canyon, but we have one. And, um, yeah, it's just a stunning, stunning place uh, with a big soul in it.
1: Wow. So- sounds amazing. And I'm guessing that most of your travelers that come and stay at Halls Gap are seeking out those national park experiences and that's why they come and stay.
0: Absolutely. Yes, they uh, they definitely need a f- good dose of fresh air when they come here and uh, that's what they leave with. I also bottle some of the air up and I give it to them as a gift on departure. Um, especially those people who are not well or doing it a little bit hard really appreciate it. They can have one sniff and then they have to come back and refill it. <laughs>
1: so That's great.
0: I would be most happy to send you a bottle.
1: I would love one. That that would be wonderful. Well, well, I'll, I'll send you a copy of my book, and you can send me a, a, a bottle of air from Grampians National Park.
0: It's one of those Jordan traits. I don't know if you get much of out of my trade, but I know I get a lot out of yours. So thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's let's talk about you. You know, it's you're really unique because you're from the Netherlands and now you are running a resort in a national park in Australia. Tell me how that happened. How did you end up where you are today?
0: Wow, Where, how did you? Well, I'm one of one of you because uh, I'm very normal, not so unique because I don't think anybody on the podcast has studied tourism just yet, and I'm exactly in the same category. I had a <laughs> great interest in a human being, and um, so I studied a bachelor' degree in social work. and then um, I obviously did my trip to Israel and but I had already signed up to study human resource management after that. So I landed a job after those six years, um, assisting the disadvantaged youth into the workforce. And I thought, before I get too serious, let me just uh, do a bit of travel. Um, So I was going to go to Indonesia and Japan and a few other countries. But I needed a working holiday visa because going to uni is an expensive exercise and I needed to generate some uh, money whilst uh, travelling. So did some research and I ended up going to Australia. Had a wonderful time. Really tried to mix in with the, the – I only stayed one night at a backpacker's hostel. The rest of the time I landed jobs and lived with locals and, and made some really beautiful friendships. And one of those friendships was my now husband, Rowan's cousin, and um, his, I was working at Barflies, which was a, a little bar next to a nightclub in the inner city of Melbourne, and I was making, I was making coffees all night for those people dropping out of the nightclub. And um, his cousin said to me that he got a phone call from his cousin Rowan, and uh, he needed a hand with the hay, and if I wanted to come, so. I thought that's a great opportunity for me to get to know some more locals in the rural parts of Australia. So that's what I did. So I met my husband on his farm. He couldn't believe his eyes. Um, I wasn't (laughs) ugly back then. And he was on his mower with a stubby in his hand and a mullet, something I'd never fall for, but I did. And 20 years later, (laughs) we're still going strong.
1: Oh, so great. What a great story.
0: So that is how I landed in Australia. And then uh, I left to Holland, summer love over. And um, my dad told me to uh, see a, a career psychologist. Uh, and her name was Sheila. And Sheila is not a common name in Holland, but her name was Sheila, which is a very Australian uh, referral to a female. And um, she said, Do you hear the footsteps upstairs? I'm going, Yeah. She says, that's the man I shouldn't have married. I should have married the American bloke I met on my travels when after uni. I'm going, okay, <laughs> point taken. So I rang Rowan straight away. He came over. We pretty much got engaged. <laughs> I only knew the bloke three months. I migrated eight months later and I uh, got married three months later. <laughs> so it was a wow. <laughs> it was a quick one, but I was following my heart and proven to be right. And um, he was managing a golf uh, club and I was having troubles with my degrees because they weren't valid pretty much uh, in Australia. You had to go through a whole accreditation process. And I said, if I travel 17,000 kilometres away to marry somebody, I really have not so much interest in living a whole separate life. So we kind of decided to run a business together. So when the secretary at the golf club where he worked resigned we put in expression of interest to run it together and that's how i did my apprenticeship of running our own business that's how i feel it so that was great and then if i can make the step to tourism if, if you if you want me to
1: yes please
0: so i did that for 13 years and didn't really enjoy it golf is not my thing and um but i was very appreciative of of me able to learn to run my own business we went to the netherlands a lot for little camping trips and meet up with my family and um, Rowan always said, I want to own my own caravan park one day. That's because Rowan is into turf, so his degree is actually turf management. And he just thought his skill and my skill together would be really eligible to run a caravan park together. And then um, one of the members at the golf club actually had offered us a job uh, 13 years after we worked at the golf club to run his caravan park in Tasmania. We flew over, and the lady said, I finished ironing at nine o'clock at night and I said to Rowan, I'm not doing this. I don't (laughs) want to give everything up. (laughs) So we decided to sell our house, travel around Australia and find a place we could manage because we had no financial resources to be able to buy our own path. But fate had it that uh, Rowan finds something online in Halls Gap where we married because his uncle uh, actually lived in Halls Gap and we ended up marrying in Halls Gap. So I've come back after 13 years to a place where we got married, which is a really lovely story. And um, he saw this place for sale was really, really run down and it was accessible financially. I won't bore you with that part. But um, that's what we bought, the most run down caravan park in Australia in a place where only 420 people live, live now. But back then it was probably only 200. I thought right. I was gonna cry for the next ten <laughs> years.
1: <laughs> but but what an amazing decision. You know, one of those one of those things that happened to you in your life that once you do it, you you realize how how great of a deal it was. And and you've been there now for ten years, you say, right?
0: Yeah, eight years ago. We bought the business. Yeah.
1: Eight years. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations. What a what a fun story of of how you ended up where you are. Uh, Tell me a little bit about, you know, one of the things that you mentioned uh, that as you approach your resort is that you treat it like a destination. Tell me what you mean by that when you say you treat your resort like a destination.
0: I was probably triggered, Adam, by the fact that I was a really humble person, had no idea about the tourism industry when I stepped into this role. So what happens is that things pop at you. I had no idea where the restaurants were or what you could do in Halls Gap and I went to the visitor information center and I noticed there was a real lack of information so I took it upon me to design a really strong branding for my uh, new business I thought that's really important but I also started collecting a lot of information which I couldn't find. And because I was new in Halls Gap and new in the tourism industry, I was seeing it more from a consumer point of view. And um, that is what I did. So I've adapted um, my whole strategy around sharing information with my customers to make it extremely accessible and extremely tailored. And I know that a destination marketing organisation does so much more than sharing information. I mean, they are, you know, so involved with the government uh, arrangements and funding and um, social media marketing and all that. But there was a missing link between uh, the the, the visitor and the sharing of information. And that also had a lot to do with the lack of resource. They had only two and a half staff members and um, the, the region is over 100,000 hectares big. So they were understaffed and I felt that I could play a role in that. And because of that mindset, I have then rippled that on and really started building a relationship with all those businesses and the wider community and also the, the stakeholders. And then very often when I do marketing, I actually have to ask myself, am I working for Grampians Tourism? Or am I a, a, a owner-operator of a product? And I actually don't care what the answer is because every time I market the Grampians, it will be good for the whole Grampians and good for me because people appreciate that I'm sharing the Grampians as a whole and not constantly point the finger to myself and how good I am because that's not important. It's about making sure that all your guests have an amazing experience within the within the region. And if they then stay with me or with somebody else, it doesn't matter. They stay with me often anyway because it's so amazing. But I really don't mind because we have a really high occupancy rate and if I can make this Grampians region a nicer region, it will appeal to a lot of people. So that's what I mean by I treat myself as a destination and not so much as a product.
1: I love it and and I think you've nailed it that the the idea that you would only market just to get people to your resort and you don't want anybody else to to get the results of your marketing you know that's a very you know uh uh I'll call it a selfish mentality whereas if you have more of a a collaborative mentality which it sounds like you do yes, you're going to get people that come and don't stay with you, but the majority of people are going to have such a positive uh, perception of you as a result. You're you're providing a better visitor experience. And I I just think that's a a great way to approach running resort.
0: Yeah, it seems to work. It definitely seems to work. So um, I'm glad. And it's also really nice to have these uh, relationships with um, the rest of of the Grampians. It's, Really, really lovely position to be in. To be very honest, yeah. Well, well, tell me a
1: little bit about some of the marketing activities that you're doing uh, for your resort.
0: So, um, in the light of COVID nineteen, or in general, or uh, I,
1: I would say, what were you doing before, and then how has that changed since since COVID nineteen hit?
0: So really, what we did, and in this sounds is maybe not what you want to hear, but we didn't know no marketing whatsoever. What we did was offer amazing product and a very humble approach. So we started from scratch and we rebuilt the product, and and people could see the sweat and tears and hard work uh, and effort and money we put in it, and. Due to the fact that we were so available to our customers because I was there 70 hours a week, every day, every minute, they would get me on the phone. And they seen our progress. And people love uh, a younger couple having a go at something um, and with full passion. So as a result of that, they would talk at dinner parties and do the whole, oh, my gosh, these guys in all's Gap, they're doing such a wonderful job and every time we go they've done something new and it all looks amazing and they're just a young couple having a go and all that. So then I started asking people for reviews because they were telling me in the office all the time how amazing their experience was and then I said, well, would you be able to put a review up? It doesn't matter which platform, just wherever you like. That helped me an awful lot marketing itself i had a facebook page and every now and then i would do a little post because i had a minute on the toilet i had a little thought but i was so busy and self-involved with building up that product and and supplying a an experience to my guests that i didn't really have time for marketing and that's how it rolled worth of Mark started happening and um I built up an eighty-two percent occupancy rate before I got hit by COVID nineteen in a very short um, eight years. Um, although they feel very long, but it was a short eight years. So it's maybe not the answer you were hoping for, but marketing... oh no,
1: it's, it's exactly the answer I was hoping for. I mean, what what you guys did is you focused on your product and your brand, and trusted that the the quality product that you built was going to result in more and more visitors and an 82% occupancy rate in the industry is obviously great. And and so now that COVID has hit you guys, have you had to start thinking about marketing in a different way than you had before? Is, is your approach different? Uh, how do you plan to react to what's happened since COVID hit?
0: Uh, first of all, I take a little bit more charge of my time management. I think that's really important. Um, So I'm trying to work a little bit more on my business as well as in my business. So I still have this contact with my guests and my staff, but I also have the ability to review where we are at and where I need to invest in to make sure that I keep reaching my goals. That seems to work really well. I am more personal with my guests on a less personal basis. And I mean that I am sharing more of my personal life through newsletters and really those who are very, uh, you know, attached to us and really see me as that um, publican, say it that way, um, they still get the opportunity to get a piece of me. Um, that is really important. So I'm a little bit more sharing than I was before. Um, I am trying to get a lot more personalized itineraries out to guests. I really want okay. people to feel. They are special um, because they are special because I feel so honoured that they're choosing my destination to spend their first or second holiday after this lockdown. I feel very honoured when people do that. So I want to give Great. back. Yeah. So it's st- still not that marketing, you say, because I am like a magnet at the moment. People are coming out of woodworks and they must be a nail and I must be the magnet because we are getting inundated with people.
1: <laughs> well, and you and I talked about that a little bit before the show. And, and so much of that is how people are now as drawn to rural and outdoor destinations as they've ever been. Uh, and so it sounds like you're really seeing a, a lot of traveler pressure as a result of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um So one of the worst things which has happened to me is that people get angry all the time with us because they can't get in and now because we didn't have booking standing because we didn't know uh, only five days before we were able to open again, we saw on TV that we were able to open again with restrictions. But um, people saw that as opportunity and they started ringing uh, and saying, oh, we've been trying to get in here for years and we never get in but now you must have no booking. So That was a really great opportunity to get some new people in the business. And again, they will experience it and they will come back because they think it's so amazing. The nature is so beautiful here. We have kangaroos hopping around our caravan park every day. It's sensational. (laughs) I know. And even us Victorians love that. So Um, that was a great opportunity and the other thing what will happen is we are not allowed to travel interest interstate in australia and i don't know what your restrictions are but we can only stick to our state right now and that means that all those victorians can't go to queensland or the northern territory or overseas even so i think there is like uh over five, six billion, uh, sorry, million people living in Victoria, if they all go and try to find a new destination to go and explore somewhere, we will fall on that radar too, just naturally, because we are a nature-based experience and there's not all that many around. So I think (laughs) we will recover real quick, real quickly. And I might be encouraging for... You too, because that's human beings. It's not the Australians who need to get out. That's human beings who need to get out at the moment. And hopefully that will happen for you as well in America.
1: Yeah, there's so much, uh, I, I call it pent-up demand of, of people that haven't been able to leave their houses for a couple of months and, and they're just dying to get out. And I love that you guys now have an opportunity to focus more on your local visitors local stakeholders because it's going to just build a larger customer base and it's probably somebody who may not have thought of you before because they were going to Queensland or or to other parts of Australia but now they're more likely to visit uh to visit your resort and to visit Grampians and you know when everything gets settles into the new normal whatever that new normal is you know that essentially doubles the amount of visitors that are considering your destination because now the locals are getting their turn.
0: Absolutely, and the other thing I was a little bit concerned about, Adam, was the what happens if everybody is allowed to go interstate again or go overseas again? I was really concerned about like, are we going to fall into a dip then? But then I've already leveraged of all those people who have been to the destination in the meantime. They have all got their experience and stories ready to go and tell those other destinations they're going to travel to because we're not going to keep talking about COVID-19. We're ready to talk about positive experiences. So those people who have been on mini holidays in their own state and go and travel interstate or they're going to travel um, towards uh, international travel, they will bring their stories with them of their amazing experiences they've had in the interim time that's right and that's good that's good too so massive opportunity for everybody really
1: well talking about that that customer experience and you know the story that people are going to be able to tell as they leave obviously there's new precautions new restrictions that you have to have at your resort that you didn't have before Uh, what type of new protective measures are you taking that you didn't necessarily take before
0: So we've installed the plexiglass uh, screens for us at the front reception. We've asked all families to just get one person of the family into the office instead of one mum, one dad and four children. Um we've taken away the lollies and all these unnecessary items even though the children would not consider them unnecessary, but we really don't want six kids that gone drawn to the office at the same time to buy lollies. So we made the reception area a lot more less attractive. I sell a lot of local produce and all that, but I have just said you no know, for the minute. I'm still open for the absolute necessity of some coffee, but at reduced hours. Um, We have signs everywhere how many people can be in in any space at any one time. So I'm allowed to open my toilets, Adam, my playground and my pool with restrictions. So there can only be so many people in the pool at any one time and we've got an online booking system. We've worked that all out. But we're not allowed to open our showers, communal kitchen communal uh, camp lunch with open fire, our terrace, all of that we can't open, which is contradictional and you could take that as something you get really agitated about, but I've decided to just um, sit on it and and roll with it and not get agitated about it because it's not good for my well-being if I go into that space and I try to go there but I refuse to go there. So because there's not a lot open we don't have a lot of issues because I don't have to monitor how many people are in the camp lounge because it's closed. So we obviously have the cleaning of the cabins, um, which we clean always very thoroughly. But now we're using different chemicals and to to really make it COVID safe. But the other reality is that we only have one in every half million people in Victoria who have COVID nineteen. So right the risk levels are so little so we're taking it really serious and we really do everything according to government instructions but because we're in the caravan park in this beautiful Grampians National Park it's just um it feels really pleasant and we had 400 people here we had a long weekend last weekend and everybody respected these new this new new so much and they didn't do anything out of line, and it was such a pleasant experience. It's like we all understand each other, and it really is let's all be in this together, which they keep saying, and it makes me crazy, but it's true. (laughs) Over the long weekend, everybody is in this together, and we don't want anything else than getting out of this as soon as possible, and we could see that. That was reflected in the behaviour of the park. It was so lovely, so lovely.
1: So I, I think that's an important piece of information for all of our listeners, that even though there's a new normal, there's new precautions that you have to take, like closing the community kitchen, the community showers, the reaction that you're getting from your visitors is one of understanding, and it's not like it's causing major problems for the customer experience.
0: It felt very harmonious, very harmonious. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: That's, that's great to hear. And, and I think that should be encouraging for everybody listening because, yes, there's going to be some inconvenient changes that are coming uh, as a result of COVID, especially as destinations continue to open up. But like you said, all of us are in this together, no matter how cliche that term becomes. And, and visitors understand, for the most part, what businesses are dealing with. Uh, and and hopefully that continues to happen, uh, you know, worldwide.
0: Yeah, I would suggest it will because, as I said, we are all human beings, and there's no Australian human being and no an American human being. It, it, it's a quite overall thing, I think. You, you you should feel confident.
1: Great, and and one of the things that we talked about before you jumped on uh, with us today you inquired about the mood-based itinerary program that Liverpool talked about. Uh, Stefan Price from Liverpool, when he was here on the show, he talked about this itinerary program. Tell me your intentions and and what your plans are with that.
0: Adam, do you remember those magazines uh, we had as a child? And you could, uh, you know, multiple choice. And then um, depending on how many points you scored, how many A's, how many B's, how many C's, you got kind of a personality description out of it or you, you whatever yes. it was. Yeah, they were so much fun, weren't they? Absolutely. <laughs> I have this idea that you could say, uh, Adam, are you planning on travelling as a couple, as a single, or with your family or with a bunch of friends, A, B, C, D? The second question, um, are you into uh, surf kiting, rock climbing, horse riding or sipping beer? a b c d anyway i would like to find a software and please listeners if you have a recommendation send it to me because liverpool wasn't exactly on the mark but not exactly what i was hoping to build but depending on those answers i would like to spit out itinerary um, straight back to them in an email without me having to interfere all that much and really give them a really tailored itinerary idea so we have these amazing wineries here we have the largest regional um zoo right opposite my new property we have um stunning little quirky cafes and restaurants cute little shops all these walks hikes rock climbing abseiling all these Aboriginal art and there's so much to do in so many different varieties. And I thought how cool would it be we could do this because I would really like to relive my childhood memories and I use that as a philosophy in my business, hence the lollies in the front of the shop. But (laughs) how cool would it be if you could fill in this questionnaire and then you do it a different way and you get a whole different itinerary. And and I think it's a different way of engaging with potential guests getting them really excited about the region because it will be right up the alley because I nailed that, but I can't find a software.
1: Well, I, I think your idea and your plan is great. And, and, you know, you and I can talk a little bit about some solutions that I've seen out there that that might help. Uh, but I love that your intention is you're even going to enhance the visitor experience even more by allowing them to not only decide where they're staying, which is at your resort, but help them to plan their whole itinerary while they're there. It's not your job to be a travel agency, and yet what you're doing is providing those resources to enhance the visitor experience. I, I love what you're doing there.
0: Well thank you, Adam. It comes natural.
1: <laughs> well, good. Well, I, I sure have enjoyed having you on, and, and I just wanted to ask you, uh, you know, how did you find uh, our podcast, and, and how long have you been listening?
0: Well, I think I have never missed an episode. My kids go to boarding school in Ballarat, which is an hour and 40 minutes. And um, only a year ago, I never heard of a podcast, I think. <laughs> I have a 30- Oh, really? Yeah. I was so self-involved with running my business. How would I know about a podcast? I, I barely watched the news. I was just work, working, 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 working. But my kids go to boarding school, an hour and forty minute drive away from here. So when I got air of the word podcast, I'm going to go. I'm going to have a look around, and I can't wait. I can't waste my time. And I, this is not criticism to anybody else, but I can't waste my time on a novel. Every time I read, I have to read something. I learn something from It's Maybe maybe because I have that psychology background. But so same with podcasts. I was listening to this. Hamish podcast, and it was all about a, a con artist, and and I'm going, it's lovely, but I, I really want to utilize my time. So I started doing a search, and I've landed somehow. The universe was landing me into your lap, and I got <laughs> the destination marketing podcast started listing, and it it's not only the content. The content is amazing, and it's so wholesome, and it's so um, down to earth, and it comes it comes from within. It's not some studied kind of approach and i really enjoyed that but the way you deliver your podcast is also so natural and it really resonated with me so i did the steam tour i don't even know how long ago you started this podcast but i did listen uh to all of them uh and got up to date and then i got extremely excited every week um to download the next one and pick my kids up from boarding school Uh, it's, it's added definitely some uh, value to my life, for sure. Just really enjoy
1: it. What a compliment. Thank you so <laughs> much. I, that is very kind of you to say, and I, I really appreciate you listening and, and for coming on today and talking a little bit about your resort. I always like to, and you know this as a listener, I like to give kind of the final takeaway. What do you feel like is the most important piece of advice that you could give destinations, resorts? or anybody else in the tourism industry as they're trying to navigate or collaborate with each other during this time?
0: Well, I was thinking about this It's to experience as many products as you can. Is, the, is I think if you are a product or a destination, it doesn't matter if you are a destination marketing agency or a product itself, invest time to experience the product, the product of of everybody in the region or the key ones or, or, or even not the key ones, the ones which are not so key, you think, but they actually are. But my experience is that the minute I have been in a place, I have my own experience and it's so much easier to share that experience and really sell that experience if you have experienced it yourself. And I think, and that's the nicest way, I so often invite the industry to come and stay for a couple of nights, do it midweek when I am quieter, I will look after you, see what it's all about, and I do the same your way. So I go out for lunch, or I go and play some mini golf, or I go and have a glass of wine somewhere. And it means that we all understand each other's product. And it makes, it makes it so much easier to understand your own destination and really build stories around it and share that with whoever comes, so your friends, your family, visitors, everybody, but also from a destination marketing approach. Sometimes those people sit in offices too much and not they have great Zoom meetings and network meetings and conferences, but they haven't really experienced the region themselves. I think it would be very beneficial if we would invest a little bit of time each week and and actually visit other products. That is my uh, takeaway at either that one or my giveaway, if you have the opportunity.
1: What a great piece of advice. I mean, it, it basically boils down to if you haven't seen it or experienced it from the visitor perspective, how can you convince the visitor that they want to have that experience?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my whole business model because I was so naive and so humble and so inexperienced in the tourism industry. I saw it as a consumer and I still am. And that is probably the secret of my success.
1: Well, this has been so much fun, Josefina. Thank you for coming on today and and sharing with, with me and with our audience.
0: Thank you, Adam. It was an absolute delight.
1: Great. Same here. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of the Destination Marketing Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please leave us a rating or a review as that will help us continue to build and grow as a, as a show. And we want to continue to bring you great content, especially as we're all navigating this crisis. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Relic. As many of you know, I own an advertising agency called Relic, and we work specifically with tourism destinations. If there's any of you that are struggling with what to do next, or you've tried agencies that don't specialize in tourism, or, or if you've been using the local flavor for years and years and you're just looking for something new, I would say give us a call. Give us the opportunity to take a look at your plans, see what you're doing, Use our tourism knowledge and industry specialty to examine everything from your brand to your tactical execution and make recommendations of how to help. We'll do that assessment for free. We'll give you those recommendations for free. And if you like what we say, maybe you can hire us to to execute on those plans. So kind of a risk-free opportunity to have us take a holistic look at everything you're doing, provide some recommendations, and you can kind of see us in action. If you're interested in having us do something like that, please send me an email directly at adam at relicagency.com. I would love to set that up with my team.